Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big fans of the laboratories of democracies that uh, the states can be. Sure. Where you try different things in different towns, counties, states, and see how they turn out. How has Prop 47 been for Californians? Uh, it had to do with crime. You're about to get more information about it. But I'll tell you this. Having gone through, been the victim of crime, my whole family, fairly recently. Uh, prosecutors, cops, activists on both sides, everybody mentioned Prop 47. When we're having the discussions about how this sort of thing could happen and how a guy who'd committed a lot of crimes could still be out and about Calif- commit a crime against me. California is essentially legalized crime. It's um, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's dangerous. And that's one of the issues that California Assemblyman Travis Allen is especially fired up about. He is a candidate for the governor, uh, governor's office of the great state of California. He joins us now. Travis, how are you, sir? I'm doing great this morning. Thanks so much. Oh, it's our pleasure. We should point out Travis represents the 72nd Assembly District in Orange County. 
uh, just south of Long Beach. And uh, so th- let's start with Prop 47. For folks uh, like most California voters who don't really pay attention, uh, what did it do and why are you against it? So Prop 47 turned a lot of felonies into misdemeanors, and it's led to you know a, a series of perverse uh, consequences in California. And, and the latest one that we just found out is that if you steal a car in California that's worth less than $950, you not only just get a misdemeanor, literally your punishment could be less than a traffic violation. So, so think about this. You could steal someone's only mode of transport, their, their lifeline to, to everything in the world, and it's the punishment is less than a traffic ticket. You know, it'd be easy to make a joke about what a crappy car that is. But, you know, I've lived and worked among people who are just getting by. And a lot of their cars aren't worth much, but they are. I mean, if if somebody stole my car, I could rent one. I could use my daughter's. It just doesn't matter to me. Uh, but somebody just barely hanging on is, is, is the most victim-y victim of all. And so, yeah, that's that's pretty disgusting. And that's exactly the point. Look, you know, if your car's worth less than $950, chances are this is, you know, everything to you. This is, you know, your, your lifeline to work, to family, to, to go to the grocery store, everything. And the concept that somebody could go and steal your car and the punishment is less than a traffic ticket is, I, I just think it's, it's, it's horrifying. And again, this is another one of the problems with Prop 47. And we've seen it with the other soft on crime policies in California too, you know, AB 109 and Prop 57. Combined, those three laws have led to violent crimes increasing over 15% since 2014 and lots of other crimes going up as well. I mean, it's pretty simple. You take away the disincentives to crime, and guess what? You're going to get more crime. As I mentioned, I've had prosecutors, cops, social workers mention Prop 47 in a particular uh, victim of crime situation that I was in. What was the what, how was Prop 47 sold to voters? People voted for it. What was the intention? Was it one of these unintended consequences or were people lied to or how, what happened in the originally? They, they were lied to. They were told that, look, you know, let's get the low level offenders uh, out of jail. Let's let's not punish people for these small crimes. And the problem is, is that, you know, how do you start defining small crime? And so they said it's $950. And and keep in mind, too, this means that someone could go to a store and steal something for less than $900 and do it to 10 other stores. And those crimes, they don't add up. Each one is its own just, you know, separate, separate event. And, you know, it's really not a big deal. So you literally have, you know, petty criminals who turn into larger criminals later on going store to store, calculating how much they're stealing so they're underneath that $950 cap. I have heard that from loss prevention pros in retail. That is not a myth or some sort of wives' tale. It's absolutely true. These people do it for a living. They do crime for a living. And we like to picture criminals as just stupid fools who can't you know, do anything else. But no, these people have uh, done the risk-benefit uh, calculation. And have decided to become criminals, and they know exactly what they're doing. You know, I'm looking at uh, a couple of editorials written, Travis, uh, going after. You were talking to Assemblyman of California, Travis Allen. Um, Some of the, uh, like, PolitiFact said your claims about crime are mostly false. Um, I'm looking at their reasoning, and it is borderline ridiculous. They point out, well, there's been a long decline in crime. And so, yeah, it has gone up since those things are passed, but you don't know what's the cause of it and the rest of it. It's just, we've gone from locking up bad people to excusing them. And crime's going up. Duh. 
This is exactly right. Now, see, so PolitiFact got half of their facts right, which is really kind of funny. But for a fact-checking <laughs> site to be using spin is, is kind of interesting. But in any event, that's what we deal with. For a couple decades, crime has been declining in California because of tough-on-crime laws, like the three-strikes law. The problem is, is that if you look at our recent history since AB 109, Prop 47, and Prop 57, the three soft-on-crime laws that were just passed in the last couple of years, crime is now spiked up in across California. You know, like I said, uptick in violent crime of over 15%. Last year alone, double-digit increases in over 30 of the major markets in California. So, I mean, it's very simple. If you make the penalties less for criminals, they're not stupid. They know how to get around these rules. And if you're going to say, look, you're only getting a slap on the wrist now, well, they could care less about that. So that's what we're starting to see. And, of course, now we have higher crime in California, and it is absolutely on the rise. Well, wasn't some of that argument with Prop 47 was the uh, that, that, that crap story we'd hear all the time on talk radio about, he was sent to prison for 40 years for stealing a bicycle because, you know, you crossed the threshold of uh, the three strikes thing or whatever. And our, our argument always was if you end up with two felonies and you can't stop stealing stuff, you should probably go to jail for a long time. Exactly right. And listen, three strikes actually worked. I mean, we saw less crime in California. Crime dropped in across all major crime categories, and people actually got the message. Now with these three laws, you know, 47, 57, and maybe 109, there was a story in California just lately that I got involved with. There was an individual who was a serial burglar. He had robbed over 35 homes in, in the greater Sacramento area. Pisses your dog off, I can tell. Yeah, he's like, yeah, that's my dog watching out for him right now. Can't believe the crime, boss. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. So this guy had stolen from over 30 different homes. He was a serial burglar, stolen something like $750,000 or more, and he got 50 years. But he, according to you know the new Prop 57 sentencing guidelines, he will probably only serve three of those years before he is eligible for parole and back out on the streets. Imagine, guilty on 30 counts, and we're talking 50-year sentencing, he could be out in three years due to these soft-on-crime laws. And, and that's the problem here in California. I think that's a winning issue for you. I, I really do. I mean, you explain it to people. I think you'd be in good shape. Now, we are talking with dog owner Travis Allen, who's running for uh, governor. As a Republican, you are going to be called a racist and in the pocket of the rich. You're, you're prepared for that? I don't, I don't know anything about you, but that's what the, the claim will be. Look, only only by the uneducated. You know, I grew up in a time when, don't, don't we all remember the melting pot? You know, I didn't even see color. I didn't even know what color is until I got into politics. And, they, you know, all they, all they want to play now is identity politics. But, you know, the bottom line is, is that there should be one set of rules for everybody. It doesn't matter what you look like, you know, where you're from, what you believe in. If you're an American citizen, you know, you are, you are here and everybody's treated the same. But we need laws that actually work. And when we get laws like what we're talking about, Prop 47, when people can go down the street and steal somebody's car, you know, their only mode of transportation worth less than a grand, and they get a slap on the wrist, less than a traffic ticket, there's something wrong in California. And that's exactly why I'm running to be governor. You know, um, and, and we'll certainly stay in touch. A couple of tips from us, as we are PR professionals, in effect. We're media experts. First of all, the picture, was that from uh, his website, the campaign website? You are very, very handsome in that picture. Like, disturbingly high-end watch <laughs> ad handsome. Now, here I'm looking at you on the assembly floor. Looks like you got three days' growth of beard. 
you're in there, you're scrapping, you're looking like every man. I love it. I, I'd, I'd go with that picture more than the watch ad picture. Because <laughs> your shirt's just too white. You're too handsome. Look, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm coming on your show every single day for compliments like that. I'm going to make sure my wife listens, too. <laughs> no, nah, you got you to gotta dirty it down a little bit. All right, a Republican uh, Assemblyman Travis Allen, he represents the 72nd. He's running for governor. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a battle, but uh, let's stay in touch. Let's do it. Follow me on Facebook at Join Travis Allen for all of the latest. Thanks so much, guys. we got a whole state to take back, and you better believe it's time. All right, cool. Thank you. We'll stay in touch. Did you see this picture, Sean? Who's running on the Democrat side? Have we heard that? Is it? Uh, I've heard rumors Kamala Harris is going to come back, but I doubt that happens. Not Gavin Newsom? Uh, Gavin. Oh, pretty, pretty Gavin, of course. He's going to be the governor. He's yeah. going to be hard to beat. Who stood us up like three times in a row when we had booked interviews. So you want to hear bias? That's our bias. And I think he's moderate <laughs> enough by California standards. He's a landslide win. Uh, Gavin? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that picture looks like it's one of those pictures that's already in the frame when you buy a new picture frame. <laughs> Travis <laughs> Allen, dog owner? Yeah, um, he is, uh, yeah, that picture, it's, uh, he's either, he's either wearing a watch that I'm supposed to buy. Right. Or he's about to go play in a rock and roll band with uh, some other guys that need Viagra. Right. Could be one of those. Right. Bunch of really good looking guys who... Suffer or, from ED. Or he's about to reach out his hand and help a really hot babe out of a limousine, and they're going to go into some sort of gallery opening, followed by the logo of, I don't know, a champagne or a <laughs> European car or something like no, that. Some I, investment firm. Right, exactly. I'm huge into his his uh, his big topic, though, Prop yeah. 47, or just the soft on crime stuff. Yeah, I've been digging around on a guy. He's just a very practical guy. It's so frustrating to me that we had decades of crime going the right direction, and then everybody's le- decided to let off the gas. Mm-hmm. So, listen here. Here's uh, here's a little full disclosure. I got a handful of buddies who are cops, uh, corrections officers, whatever, um, and 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 some of them I like a great deal. Their union negotiated gigantic pen- uh, benefits, uh, pensions, health care. I mean, just crazy benefits, completely unsustainable to uh, assure that they would always vote Democrat. Um, Because, you know, a lot of these guys swing way conservative. But you ever notice how the prison guards unions, the cops unions, all they all seem to want to vote for Democrats. That's kind of interesting, all things considered. Um, And so what happened was the California prison system got spectacularly expensive. I mean, COs, corrections officers in in California, just the cost per prisoner is wildly disproportionately higher than the rest of the country. I get the cost of living is higher in California, too. That's part of it, but it's not most of it. And so we ran in this budgetary situation where it costs us $95,000. I can't remember the latest figure per prisoner per year to keep these guys shelved, which is double a lot of states. And so, you know, the the strategy that was hatched was, okay, what we got to claim is that we're locking too many people up. Like this guy who burgled, what did he say, 30 homes? Can you imagine not only stealing people's stuff, but the terror, the 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 disturbing of your sense of security, the, the, the fright your children will your feel house in their never, souls? Your house would never feel the same again. Right, never again. So this guy's done that for dozens and dozens of families. He's going to get off scot-free because of this perception that we're, quote-unquote, locking up too many people, which is a load of crap. We're not locking up enough people. You Do you know how many crimes you have to commit on average before you get caught? Do you know how many times you have to get caught on average before you get convicted? Do you know how many convictions you need before you do serious time? We are not locking up nearly enough people. Build schools, not prisons, man. Okay, great.
Great. That's that's like somebody with cancer saying, build chemo, not radiation, man. We need them both, you friggin' morons. Sorry, that's 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 really strong. I'm sorry. You I'm know a what? Christian man. I'm a Christian man. I, I lost my head there. <laughs> I, ought to be, I ought to be trying to bring people together. Not yelling at him and calling him names. I'm so, I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> um, we got a whole bunch of texts about how high are the people in Humboldt County? Yeah, yeah. was my uh, friend's uh, count exaggerated? Yes or no? Stay tuned. <laughs> I know what I meant by asking the question. <laughs> anyway, it's pretty interesting though. That whole crime thing. I, if I think about it very long, I get so dang mad. I mean, my family is different today because of one guy we ran into that should have still been in jail from the last many things he did. Right. Really sucks. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. story that uh, somebody uh, said that in Humboldt County, the dope smoke in this county in America, that now that it's legal or legal enough, everybody's um, baked. Everybody's baked all the time, so everybody you run into, even at work, they're, they're, they're stoned. And I'm... To the bone! I've always been skeptical of that idea. Uh, we got these texts. Uh, it's mostly true about people being stoned almost all the time there. Most cars that you walk past in a parking lot smell like weed and jobs where people are not drug tested. You can guarantee that at least a few of the people will be baked. Love the show. My wife and I went to Humboldt a few weeks ago. One of our hostesses gave us weed candy. But besides that, I saw absolutely nobody smoking or injecting marijuanas. And I toured plenty of establishments. Well, you don't have to see them smoking to know they're high. Joe, a pastor, I guess I'm not involved in this text, but I'll read it anyway. Joe, a pastor friend lives and works in Humboldt County, and the problem uh, with pot that you talked about is true. Mm. Getty, you are full of S. Yes. I'm from hun- from Humboldt. This is the truth. Okay. So, so aside from an ad hominem attack, probably from a pusher, a dope pusher. So you got people saying that's absolutely true and absolutely not true. So. No, I didn't find the not very compelling. Frankly. I didn't either. Yeah, it's surprising to me, but okay. Well, but again, it's like people who want to talk about cars in Detroit in 1966. It's just, it's what happens there. It's the industry there, mm. so you know, it's predictable. Uh, <clears throat> got this note from Rioga V. We've uh, talked to Rioga a number of times. He is the mixed race fellow who has tried to get a couple of rallies going in the name of uh, diversity and everybody getting along. He is anti Antifa. He and, uh, well, some other folks tried to uh, hold a vigil for Kate Steinley, the woman who was shot to death by the illegal immigrant fellow who then uh, was acquitted of the inexplicable charge of first-degree murder. I don't blame the jury. I blame the prosecutors. Um, He says, first, let me explain how it all came together. The vigil was planned shortly after the highly controversial verdict was passed down. Mixed in with that outrage and sadness, many people in the Bay Area wanted to pay their respects in a group setting. It was only a few weeks back the Berkeley College Republicans held their own vigil, only to have members of Refuse Fascism and BAM, by any means necessary, disrupt and trash their signs, candles, posters. The original organizer for the San Francisco vigil is a man named Jordan Davis, who is black and Jewish. 
After a date was set, a counter-protest launched on Facebook where Jordan was called a coon, white supremacist, racist, and every other name in the book. Again, can't stress this enough. A black Jew organizing a public memorial and candlelight vigil for a slain San Franciscan is publicly called a coon. But a group that... And a white supremacist. Right. Which, which is, is a, a weird, head scratcher. You don't see that combo very often. By a group that claims they are against racism and discrimination. Can you imagine the outrage if a countergroup came to disrupt the Trayvon Martin or Michael Brown event? So the afternoon of the event comes, masked Antifa members are littered throughout the crowd at Union, Union Square. How did this not get more news coverage? Well, because I've heard they're against fat, they're against white supremacists, so I don't want to criticize them because I agree with them. I don't like white supremacists. Say the half-wit, not paying attention, uneducated, uninformed, quote-unquote, journalists of our time. One of my associates, William, is African-American. He got attacked and had his phone stolen. Antifa supporters later got on Twitter and cheered this action. At one point, a group of Antifa charge in swinging skateboards at people. All the while in the background, organizers are shouting on the megaphone, calling the very diverse group of black, Asian, Indian, Muslim, uh, Sikh, Hispanic, gay, trans, Kate Steinle attendees, calling all of those people racists. Wow. Well, that skateboard thing, Antifa's good. That's a smart one, because who's going to assume you're going to use skateboards as a weapon? You can carry those all over the right. place, and that's a hell of a, uh, a bludgeoning object. To their credit, shout out SFPD. I saw on the uh, video them wading in, and they saw somebody sucker punching somebody else. They took them down. They saw somebody smashing somebody with a skateboard. That's assault and battery, and the cops did the right thing. Uh, you know, I don't know how widespread that was, but at least the videos I saw, the cops were proactive and not putting up with that S in San Francisco. One of the rowdy Antifa supporters followed us from Union Square all the way to Pier 14, all the while, while yelling that we were racist, homophobic, the usual. Somehow he enticed and baited one of the marchers out of the crowd. I went over to defuse it. An Antifa member threw a sucker punch. All three of us ended up fighting. Uh, I went to the ground. I held the aggressor in a rear choke until police arrived. Rio is a uh, MMA fighter. Don't mess with him. He was arrested and charges are being pressed from multiple people he attacked that afternoon. We ended up making it to Pier 14 under police escort. We lit candles. We prayed. We talked about policy and the future of San Francisco. All the while, Antifa members stood by hurling insults, at least until the cold breeze of the San Francisco Bay Ocean crept in and they left. Um, I could make a joke about skinny white vegans not having enough meat on their bones, but, well, I'll take the high road. Hashtag don't punch down. Uh, perhaps the most interesting thing I'd like to point out to you is the funding. This counter-protest group, all of them, raised thousands of dollars to come and prevent a vigil. On the front page of Refuse Fascism, they call for donations no less than ten times. Where does the money go? Back to the community? LGBT programs? HIV research? Homelessness? No. They're swindling tens, if not hundreds of thousands, etc., etc. That is something. How does that get not more attention, like national attention? Because the Antifa guys are on the quote-unquote right side. Well, it stands for anti-fascist. I'm anti-fascist. Is it everybody? They must be good people, because I'm stupid and don't know anything about the stories I'm reporting. That's amazing. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we got the latest on the Amtrak train derailment outside Tacoma, Washington. Multiple fatalities oh. being reported. Republicans counting down to the tax reform vote. Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Whatever it is, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
got this text. I'm surprised this hasn't happened yet. Every time you guys do one of these Antifa stories, I have to fight back the urge to gather 10 of my closest friends and show these a-holes what true violence really is. These dumbasses are eventually going to pick a fight with the wrong crowd. It won't end well. I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. That's what I yeah. expect at some point. You're going to have a bunch of, uh, you know, a rough crowd of people I probably wouldn't like much either show up on the other side and decide, all right, we're putting an end to this, and you're going to have 20 people dead. Mm. Isn't Hope that inevitable? Not, if it keeps going in the direction it was, yes. Like I say, SFPD seemed much more aggressive, understanding that assault and battery is assault and battery no matter who's doing it. Lawbreaking is lawbreaking. Uh, let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, now there are multiple deaths being reported after an Amtrak train derailed off an overpass onto I-5 and nosedived onto vehicles below. Oh. This happened near Tacoma, Washington. The Pierce County Sheriff's spokesman, Ed Troyer, is saying the casualties include multiple injuries and fatalities. The train that derailed was on its inaugural route this morning, traveling at a very high speed. The new Amtrak Cascades train 501 from Seattle to Portland, Oregon, went off the tracks just before reaching one of two bridges over Interstate 5. And again, this is day one trying out the new high-speed route. Yeah, that's amazing. I heard there were 70 people on board. Yes. Which is its own interesting story, which is the Amtrak story all across America. Yeah. Um, what's it cost to have these things running all day long with hardly any riders on them most routes all the time? Republicans are rushing now to get final passage on their big tax bill this week. House is expected to vote on the measure tomorrow, and the Senate could follow suit on Wednesday. The bill will slash the corporate tax rate and aims to reform the complex federal tax code. I have heard some reports. Kind of. <laughs> I have heard some reports are still wheeling and dealing, and then others, other reports saying, no, 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 it's all it's set. Yeah. We've got the final version ready to go. Yeah. Well, it's changed <laughs> so, substantially since Friday. So if yep. you heard about something being deductible or not deductible or capped at X or Y or Z on Friday, you got to relook because a lot of it's changed. Now, I wanted to revisit the Pentagon's very own X-Files stories that Armstrong and Getty was talking about earlier. The New York Times reporting a secret program which tracked UFOs began in 2007 at the request of then-Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. It is being reported Harry Reid, the Nevada Democrat, was known for his longtime interest in the existence of extraterrestrials. And fair enough, a lot of us have that interest. Defense officials told the paper the program investigated reports of UFOs and possible threats. Funding for the program shut down in 2012. The uh, Department of Defense spent $22 million on that program. Yes, well, it's all fine with me as long as, A, Harry didn't route all that money to a buddy of his, and B, you said the funding ended in 2012, except it didn't. They buried it deep in black money, secret uh, classified money, deep within the Pentagon budget, and kept the party going. Yeah, the Pentagon is saying, well, it ended in the 2012 time frame. 2012 time frame. What does that even mean? Take me to your leader. (laughs) Oh my God, it's Trump, the guy from TV. (laughs) He's leaving. Sean Diddy Combs says he's interested in buying the NFL's Carolina Panthers. The franchise is going to be put up for sale by the team's owner, Jerry Richardson, who's facing allegations of workplace misconduct. And... And uh, Steph Curry of the Warriors says he'd like to get on that, too. Yep. So I'm liking this. The first, we're buying this as a political statement owners in the NFL. As a talk radio host, 
I'm loving it. Yeah, if the other owners approve it. Because they got uh, it. That'd be tough. Yeah. Whoops. That could be tough. Well, let's ask How Jerry you, Jones what although, he thinks. No, no, no. That's going <laughs> to no. turn into a huge oh, issue. Yeah. You got two black guys want to own a team and hire Colin Kaepernick, and the other owners are saying, no, you're going to have a full-on player revolt. And, oh, this is going to yeah. get so interesting. The latest plot twist, yes. Kaepernick saw the, the Puff Daddy, right. Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, Brother Love, whatever yeah, he's going brother, by now, brother love. and said, hey, I want in on the ownership group. He's right. not looking to play. What if it's Kaepernick himself trying to get into the ownership wow. circle? Yeah, that's the third That's the third uh, party jumping into this. Then he hires an all-white team for the purpose of making them lose all the time as a lesson to America. <laughs> no, the, the owners would be in a rough position to not approve oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Because you might have two-thirds of the players saying, that's it, I'm out. If you guys, for obvious racist reasons, won't let two black guys own a team. Hmm. Well, that's going to get interesting. And the team at this point, I read that, and Sean, it was like $2.2 billion. It's worth $2.2 billion, the team. It's uh, a figure I, I saw. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. NFL teams are worth well north of yeah. a billion. I can yeah. imagine that. Right. Oh, yeah. All in, in the uh, fairly conservative uh, Carolinas region. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. Wow, this could be a great talk radio story. Yes. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong Getty Show, the voice of the West. Trump schmump. Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> and this is going to happen soon, right? The season's over here shortly, and he said he's going to you know, wait till the season's over, yep. but he's selling. Yep. And uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Good and stuff. When people are trying to sell like this, it is in the benefit of the seller to try to do it quickly sure. lest more information come out maybe make it seem like he has to sell now right. driving the price right. down etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. so yeah i expect it once the season's over i think this will move pretty quickly awesome if i was an nfl fan i'd hate it because it could be bad for the sport but as a talk radio host not really following the nfl sounds very exciting Wow, and they get Kaepernick as their as their quarterback, and it's in the Carolinas. The first ever owner quarterback. Wow, <laughs> really? Wow, benches himself. <laughs> so then half the people won't show up to the game because Kaepernick's the quarterback for the new owners of the team. They'll go to other towns where they'll sell out everywhere, everywhere they go because that is an area where they'll get a lot of support. I'm supposed Yeah, well, yeah, they be get just, a lot of support in the Carolinas, but fo- football tickets are expensive. But the point being, it's going to become way more political than it already is, oh, yeah. and a lot of people think that's yeah. what's damaging viewership already. Yes! It's going to get way more political, not less. Awesome. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. out in my mind how this is going to look with P. Diddy, Steph Curry, and Colin Kaepernick trying to buy the Carolina Panthers, obviously as a political statement of some sort, mm-hmm. or with the intention of making political statements of some sort, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, a lot of people are already tired of politics in the NFL, and then guaranteed Trump comes out on the side of the owners yeah, oh. who don't want to allow it, and then it becomes a referendum on Trump. Oh, boy. Whether or not... Oh, we're back to Trump. I thought it was a change of subject. Whether or not P. Diddy and Steph Curry get to own the Carolina Damn Panthers it. is all about whether or not you support Trump or not. Oh, boy. And that is the issue. And, oh, my God, we have for you the major issue for cable news and talk radio for the beginning of 2018. That's what this is going to be. Is all of this really happening? Yeah. 
Am I awake now? Am I sober? Here's your January story. We've already laid it out. For <laughs> you. All right. Oh, man, look at the time. We need to jump right into stories we won't be covering because we're out of time with Positive Sean. Sean, your first headline, please. Ah, uh, the force is strong with the box office. The Last Jedi tipping the, the box office total at $220 million for the opening weekend. It sounds a lot like a lot for one weekend. Second all-time behind The Force Awakens, the, the, the previous uh, movie in this, in this series. Not uh, which, adjusted for inflation, but I won't get hung up on that. Which earned $247 million. All right. Now, it was uh, it's not just that in individual uh, dollar number that's interesting, but Star Wars, in fact, drove 81% of all box office revenue this weekend, and Disney itself owned it 92% of the weekend's box office wow. take. Wow, and, that's healthy. And $13 million of the non-Disney money came from second-place film Ferdinand, which is produced by Fox, which Disney just owned. Wow. So they're soon to have almost the entire revenue from a big weekend. Yes. That's interesting. Wild. Oxford Dictionary has come out with their word of the year, as every dictionary needs to have their own word of the year. Now, these are often based off of increases in search and use, as opposed to something that is particularly uh, meaningful for the year. Oxford Dictionary recognizing the power of the millennial generation with its 2017 word of the year, youthquake. Which I had never heard or used. I have never heard that before in my life. Oxford lexo- lexographers, lexicographers say there was a five-fold increase in the use of the term between yeah, 20- from one to five <laughs> from 2016 to 2017. It is defined as a significant cultural, political, or social change arising yeah, from the actions or influence of young people. You suck, Britain. No wonder you're a dying empire. Boo! A youthquake. And finally, a shout out to one Bob Givens. Now, many people do not know Bob Givens, but I almost guarantee you are familiar with his work. He was given the task of redesigning Bugs Bunny before his initial 1940 debut in the Oscar-nominated animated short, A Wild Hair. Bob Givens passed away this past weekend at the age of 99, uh, lived on by his families. Other things on his resume, he was an animator for Popeye, Heathcliff, the animated Mr. T Show, countless Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck cartoons. He did Bugs Bunny, which is, you know, the Mount Rushmore of... And the Mr. T cartoon. <laughs> he pities the fool. I pity the fool. <laughs> Alvin and the Chipmunks, He-Man, Ghostbusters, Garfield, and Tom and Jerry. He worked all the way until 2001, where his final credited work was on the Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries. Well, my kids have seen a lot of those. Not the Mr. T cartoon yet. Have them check it out. Oh. Yeah, the, uh, the original Bugs Bunny is not impressive. So he was uh, part of the redesign, the whole Chuck Jones era, I guess, and everything. Yeah, in the uh, the 1940, the the okay. wild hair. Okay. Yeah. Some of the early ones, my kids like those, but they're different. He's a different. He has a different care. He's a different character. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't the wise talking Brooklynite. He looks a little different. Yeah, yeah. Um, those old timey cartoons, though, my kids still just love them. Bugs Bunny is definitely in my top uh, fifteen comedic influences. I think a lot of American kids. Just his timing, his uh-huh. point of view is. His his uh, snicker is uh, just his sense of humor. Where you know he'd seem to be a little vicious, but then he'd start laughing and everything would be fine. He's just yeah. my kindergartner. Hilarious. He says funny things regularly that I hear. Okay, there's the influence of of uh, Tom and Jerry or Wiley Coyote or Yosemite Sam or whatever. You can hear it. Dave Chappelle credited Bugs Bunny as his his top comedic influence. Is that right? Yeah. How interesting. It is for. I'm often named in the same sentence with Dave Chappelle. <laughs> it is for probably <laughs> most men, right? Oh, yeah. A lot of your idea of what's funny or not comes from th- those shows. It's in there, definitely. 
maybe a pinch, maybe a cup. Mm-hmm. And the ability of those works to Trojan horse kind of classical works of art. Like my first, ex- my first hearing of oh, Mozart yeah. was probably oh, yeah. from you know Theodore Wabbit. The sure. only thing I know about classical music is from Bugs Bunny. Kill and I don't know. I know nothing about Wabbit. <laughs> <laughs> So is that the Barber of Seville? Is that from that one? Yeah, that was... Yeah. Uh, what, what the was Barber it? Shop of Seville, I think yeah. it is. No, nah, what was the name of the uh, the parody? That It was the... Uh, I can't remember. They watched it just Friday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. Because we have them on DVD. Yeah. Oh, The hey, Rabbit of Seville. The Rabbit of Seville, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, animals, my dog did not urinate for 22 hours over the weekend. We were up at the Wald compound. Could not get him to pee. Could not. Because he was away from home? Well, he was uh, uncomfortable. Maybe it was that he was on a leash, whatever. Had you given him anything to drink? <laughs> yeah, right. What, you They don't go to the faucet and get their... Yes, he was drinking the normal amount. When he went, I wish I knew the record. Because I think he broke it. It was amazing. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, please. Yellow River by I.P. Dale. Yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and now, final thoughts from Armstrong and Getty. Here's your host for final thoughts, Joe Getty. Thank you. Let's get a final thought from everybody, huh? Hey, Michelangelo, what's your final thought? Uh, just an update on Amazon's shipping. I believe Thursday is the last day to get uh, something shipped with free two-day shipping. Worth so. knowing, yeah. Yeah, worth knowing. Uh, well, let's see, positive Sean, final thought. Yeah, just finishing a text to my financial advisor. Yeah, my yacht's going to need a pool big enough for a smaller yacht in it. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> Living that crypto life, baby. Sean's invested in Bitcoin. Yo! Hey, uh, Marshall Phillips, final thought. All right, I'm still really sore. As you know, I pulled a hamstring muscle yesterday making soup. Posted it. Full stop. Posted a picture of the kitchen carnage on Armstrong Getty's Facebook page. You can check it out see the devastation. Jack, what is your final thought, sir? Well, as I mentioned earlier in the program, the pressures of the holiday season have overtaken me. And I'm feeling nothing but pressure, angst, worry, concern. Somehow I need to turn that around into something pleasurable. Don't forget like, the reason for the season. Hmm? It's not It's not mm. to be miserable? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Free stuff. And uh, I must uh, concede that the story about the man who was arrested after making over a million dollars selling Chuck E. Cheese tokens as, quote, <laughs> bitcoins. That's funny. Turns out to be apocryphal. Aww. It is not true, but by God, it should be. That's too bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going down the street selling, hey, you want to buy a bitcoin? So your Bitcoin is up for the day, Sean? Uh, Bitcoin is down for the day, but up since my investment. As Sean pointed out, unlike the New York Stock Exchange, they don't close at any point. Doesn't matter if it's a holiday or middle of the night. It's constantly going up and down. You could lose your arse between 2 and 4 a.m. While you're asleep and not even know it. And wake up and everything was fine. You missed out on all the, the stress. Bounce back. Oh, really? well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or you'll be forced to resort to cannibalism. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four hour workday. Sell the little yacht. Keep the big one. So many people, thanks a little time. Go to armstrongandgettyradio.com. You can email us. You can text at us, tweet at us, whatever you want. All that contact info's there. You do a great job of spotting stuff we ought to be talking about. Send it along. We will see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a. Uh... 
historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. And the show's over. What? Bye-bye. I am here determined to stop this future atrocity. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.